Hello everyone. You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, we provide reliable exosome-related services and products to clients around the world. Our services cover all aspects of exosome isolation and purification, identification, antibody and engineering. Dear friends in the audience, welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. I'm Connie. Thank you for joining me and our old friend Dr. Hofstadter in the program. There is a lot of interesting knowledge waiting for us to explore. Let's welcome Dr. Hofstadter with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Hofstadter? Good evening, every dear friend in the audience. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation, dear Connie. I'm very glad to be here. In last Saturday's program, we had a simple understanding of tetraspanins, including their membrane localization, structure, and biological processes they involved. We learned that tetraspanins are expressed in many species and can bind to a large number of transmembrane and intracellular proteins in glycolipid-rich membrane microdomains as molecular promoters. Because tetraspanins are enriched on the multivesicular membrane, and the source of exosomes is multivesicular bodies, there are tetraspanins on the exosome membrane. So, today we will discuss the inextricable relationship between exosomes and tetraspanins. Dr. Hofstadter, maybe we could start with the ways that tetraspanins are recruited to exosomes. Okay. To orient to exosomes, membrane molecules must first be exposed to the plasma membrane and internalized into the endosomal compartment. Tetraspanins participate in the circulation route between the plasma membrane and several organelles and regulate the biosynthesis, maturation, and transport of their related partners. But I have to say, the way that tetraspanins are recruited to exosomes has not yet been fully elucidated. We know that some molecules located in membrane domains that are easy to internalize are enriched in the exosomal protein profile. For example, Microdomains are rich in tetraspanins and molecules involved in fission, fragmentation, and vesicle transport. Many tetraspanins are recovered in large quantities in intracellular vesicles, for example, CD81 and CD63. They further become components of exosomes. Among them, CD63 is often used as a marker to distinguish exosomes from other extracellular vesicles. There is evidence that the way to target exosomes may be different for a single tetraspanin and its related molecules. So I think well-defined internalization motifs are one of the ways to help the internalization of tetraspanins. Which motifs are needed for their internalization? A sorting motif based on tyrosine, for example. It contains tyrosine and an amino acid with a large hydrophobic side chain in the C-terminal cytoplasmic domain. By this sorting, motif tetraspanins become easy to be delivered to intracellular compartments. However, some tetraspanins rich in exosomes do not have sorting motifs, or have sorting motifs that are improperly located. We can understand it as the first hint to a single tetraspanin that may follow different internalization pathways. Studies have shown that for CD63, the interaction between the C-terminal domain and the subunit of the adapter protein complex can link it to a clathrin-dependent pathway. Okay. 
And I was wondering, can trafficking of tetraspanins also depend on adapter protein-independent pathways? If so, could you please give an example? That is for sure. Take the involvement of the tetraspanin CD151 in the internalization process of integrin alpha-3-beta-1. As an example, integrin alpha-3-beta-1 plays a crucial role in tumor formation. In the two-stage chemical carcinogenesis model, CD151 has a sorting motif that promotes internalization through a clathrin-dependent pathway. Alternatively, it may link the complex to protein kinase C, which regulates integrin traffic. Or CD151 may connect alpha-3-beta-1 to other transmembrane proteins in tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomains with an internalization sequence. Other tetraspanins whose internalization does not depend on the sorting motif of the C-terminal tail include CD81. I see. In summary, Motifs in the C-segment domain are critically linked to the internalization of this protein. In addition, the transport of tetraspanins is relatively independent. The tetraspanin is easily internalized and recruited into multivesicular bodies and exosomes. It is I guess it's because they are located in the cholesterol-rich membrane microstructure domains, and their oligomerization and multimolecular complex formation, right? Yes, you are right. According to the current state of knowledge, the C-terminal sequencing motif of some tetraspanins is not necessary, although it may help to recruit into endosomes. In addition, there is evidence that the tetraspanin network is recruited into endosomes as an entity. This reminds me of a problem. Are tetraspanins related to exosome composition? We have repeatedly mentioned the fact that there are differences in the relative abundance of proteins, messenger RNA, and microRNA, between exosomes and donor cells. This means that the active sorting into multivesicular bodies is determined by many factors. For example, endosomal classification complexes required for monobiquitinylation, cholesterol-rich membrane microdomain localization, and protein transport may be involved in protein sorting. High-order oligomerization, through the physical and functional coupling of RNA-induced silencing complex and classification complex components, can promote the continuous assembly and disassembly of membrane-associated microRNA-loaded RNA-induced silencing complex. At this point, I have to mention a fact. Because exosomes can be detected in all body fluids, selective enrichment of marker, proteins and microRNAs makes exosomes a very attractive non-invasive diagnostic method. This is of great significance to the development of medicine. There are indications that the recruitment of tetraspanins to endosomes, multivesicular bodies, and exosomes is accompanied by an additional selection of related proteins. In addition, messenger RNA and possible microRNA are also selected in this process. As far as I know, this hypothesis is supported by indirect but quite strong evidence. Can you expand on the results of this research? Well, the researchers said that proteins and messenger RNA are recruited differently in the two tumor cell lines. And, I think the only difference between these two tumor cell lines is the transfection with the empty vector and the transfection with the tetraspanin 8 cDNA vector. 
several proteins with the same expression in both cells, have been selectively enriched in tetraspanin-8 containing exosomes, such as galactoside binding protein 3. The difference in messenger RNA levels is even more significant. There are more than 300 types of messenger RNAs that differ by more than three times in the two cell lines. Does stress-induced internalization promote tetraspanin's recruitment into exosomes? Stress-induced internalization is usually accompanied by tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomains reorganization. I mean, this membrane microdomain reorganization can well support the release of tetraspanin-8 into exosomes. This internalization-induced tetraspanin net rearrangement is maintained during intracellular transport and restored in exosomes. In conclusion, different integrin tetraspanin complexes were biochemically detected in lysates from cells or exosomes. These results indicate the rearrangement of tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomains during internalization. Consistent with the role of tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomains in regulating internalization and recycling, different members of the four-span membrane protein have been shown to regulate protein sorting into exosomes. So, what controls the recruitment of microRNA into exosomes? We should know first that the release of microRNA is actively controlled through a ceramide-dependent mechanism related to exosomal secretion. Considering the known interaction between gangliosides and tetraspanin, I think we can speculate that tetraspanin may also contribute to microRNA recruitment. In short, the tetraspanin is not only a component of exosomes, but also contributes to the selectivity of protein uptake in exosomes due to the existence of the tetraspanin net. However, I have to say, whether tetraspanins are also involved in the selective uptake of messenger RNA and microRNA remains to be explored. Now that the selective binding and uptake of exosomes to target cells has been repeatedly proposed and demonstrated, which cells are able to capture exosomes? Well, endothelial cells and pre-metastasis lymph nodes can take up exosomes produced by healthy cells and tumor cells, respectively. In addition, because exosomes play a major role in cell-to-cell -cell communication, I believe many cells can become their target cells. Okay. Then what factors help the process of ingestion of exosomes? Remember that one of the characteristics of exosomes I mentioned earlier is the exposure of phosphatidylserine on their outer membrane. Actually, phosphatidylserine is involved in the budding of exosomes in late endosomes. Phosphatidylserine can also trigger exosomal uptake by binding to scavenger receptors, integrin, and complement receptors. However, the uptake of exosomes in the body is not dominated by scavenger receptors. Based on this phenomenon, researchers have developed small molecule drugs that block the binding of macrophages between exosomes. These findings and the selective binding of exosomes demonstrate that phosphatidylserine may promote nonspecific binding and may not be taken up by exosomes. Already in 2004, it was described that allogeneic exosomes are taken up by dendritic cells, Kupfer cells, and some myelofibrosis in the spleen. Dr. Hofstadter, what do you think these findings indicate? Well, you know that study pointed out that 
The targeting of exosomes is mediated by a variety of proteins on exosomes, including tetraspanin CD9 and CD81, and phosphatidylserine. So I think these findings indicate that, the binding and uptake of exosomes to target cells, may vary depending on the endocytosis pathway, and protein patterns on exosomes and target cells. In addition, other brief pieces of evidence indicate the contribution of tetraspanins in this process. I agree. So, what research methods do you know have been used to discover the important role of tetraspanins in the targeting of exosomes? I know some researchers have explored this issue in detail through pull-down analysis and antibody-blocking studies. They found that exosomes selectively bind to tetraspanins. Related adhesion molecules through tetraspanin-enriched membrane microdomains localization. Among them, adhesion molecules and related tetraspanins vary depending on the source of exosomes. Considering the target cell ligand, I think the most surprising finding is the large overlap with the exosomal binding structure. These include NXNs, chaperones, molecules involved in vesicle transport, and consistent tetraspanins and adhesion molecules. In stromal cells, mainly CD151 and tetraspanins 8, and in hematopoietic cells, mainly CD81 and CD9 are involved in exosome binding. The exosomal adhesion molecule that is often involved in target cell binding and uptake is B1 integrin. These results strongly support the discovery that the internalization process of exosomal donor cells, and the uptake of exosomes by target cells, use similar fusion or fission mechanisms. Thanks Dr. Hofstadter. You know, I've read that exosomes bind a variety of matrix proteins with high affinity. Does this mean that the binding between exosomes and target cells and the matrix is also important? This is indeed a question worth thinking about. Actually, it's an additional aspect that has been overlooked so far. You know, matrix protein binding is selective, and requires a specific tetraspanin adhesion molecule complex. In addition to integrins, CD44 also plays a major role. So it is important to further explore the crosstalk between exosomes and matrices. Because the matrix is not only a structural element, but also an essential component for the storage of bioactive compounds and tissue repair, as well as the crosstalk between tumor cells and matrix. In all these processes, I think exosomal proteases may play an important role. So in conclusion, exosomes show excellent target cell selectivity in vitro and in vivo, which is based on the interaction between target cell ligands and exosomal tetraspanin-related receptors. Right? Yeah, and it is also noteworthy that the tetraspanin complexes used for targeting correspond to those arranged during internalization. I mean, maintaining internalized complexes and reusing these complexes for exosome uptake seems to be a common theme. In addition, the involvement of adhesion molecules related to tetraspanins also explains the selectivity of target cells. You know, it is difficult to imagine that this selectivity depends entirely on a single adhesion molecule. Because these molecules are often expressed in many cells. That's a great point to end on. Thank you Dr. Hofstadter. Today, 
we discussed many associations between tetraspanins and vesicle transport of exosomes. Both the endosomal sorting complex dependent and independent mechanisms required for transport be related to the transport of proteins to exosomes and their biogenesis. Interestingly, in the absence of the endosomal sorting complex required for transport, multivesicular bodies and exosomes may form with four transmembrane proteins that play important roles on their membranes. Further experimental shreds of evidence are required to fully define the functional role of tetraspanins in the different aspects of exosome biology. However, in light of their potential role in all the processes ranging from exosome biogenesis to uptake, tetraspanin targeting strategies may have a great therapeutic value. That's all we have today. Thanks to Dr. Hofstadter for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you for listening. There will be more interesting knowledge waiting for us in the next program. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.